0: How do I get past fear and anxiety? That is the question that we are going to be answering in today's Ask Me Anything. Hey, my name is Kimberly Beam Holmes, and this is It Starts With Attraction, where we discuss how to become the most attractive that you can be physically, intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually, or as insiders call it, the pies you can become more attractive to others and most importantly, to yourself. We will teach you how. Let's dive in. Today's question comes from Emily and she says, how do I work to get past my general fears and anxieties? I have health anxiety because many of the people closest to me have or have had cancer. And I'm realizing that my husband feels drained as a result of me, quote unquote, dragging him into this fear-based world of mine. I feel it makes him not want to be around me at all. And at the same time, it makes me wonder if I should think twice about sharing my thoughts with him. What should I do? First, let me start by saying I am not a medical practitioner and I am not any kind of licensed therapist or counselor who can diagnose any type of thing. All of that to say, everything I'm going to say here are things that I have learned from educational purposes, but of course, always consult a medical professional before doing anything different or if you feel like you need help in any of these areas. I love this question though because this is so much of what I have gone through in my life. I have shared many times on this podcast that I have struggled with anxiety for years. I remember the first anxious thoughts that I had being at six years old. And so this is something that I have really struggled with for many, many years, decades of my life at this point. And what I have found is that It doesn't get better the older I get until I start doing things to change those trains of thoughts. And so I'm gonna riff on this for the next several minutes. And I've outlined it, but this is also something that, because it's been a personal journey of mine, that I have a whole lot to say about it. And I have a whole lot of things that I have personally tried that have helped. And so I'm gonna give a little bit of understanding and background, but I'm also gonna share really my personal journey and and things that have helped me which typically I try and only stick to research but I will say that most of the things I have tried have been based on research and because they have worked for me I feel comfortable sharing them but of course you have to look into what works for you and always consult a healthcare provider before doing so so how to get past fear and anxiety the false belief is that we can in fact when we try and stop a thought that we have or try and change a thought that we have by telling ourselves that we're we're wrong or it's bad or we shouldn't or we're only making things worse, it only makes the thought worse. It only makes the fear and the anxiety stay because the bottom line is we cannot control our thoughts. You cannot control your thoughts. I cannot control my thoughts. I cannot control my feelings. You cannot control your feelings. All of those are things that naturally happen within us based on synapses and things that fire within our bodies and in our brains. It results in certain feelings. It results in certain thoughts. But the bottom line is we can control how we react to the thoughts and feelings that we have. So in the sense of anxiety, here are how anxious thoughts get started and how they kind of get stuck. So what happens when we encounter something that evokes fear or anxiety, it's actually a result of a firing that is already happening in our brains before we ever even realize that it's happened. So what actually happens is it starts in our thalamus and our thalamus becomes aware based on neurosensory perceptions of either things we hear, see, or, or feel that something is wrong. The thalamus then is going to do two things. The first thing the thalamus is going to do is send that message to the amygdala. And the amygdala is going to take that message and it's going to have a fear response base to it because that is the role of the amygdala. The amygdala automatically activates our fight or flight response. So it's automatically sending out signals that release stress hormones that prepare us to either fight something or run away from it. So the thalamus sends that message or half of that message to the amygdala So the amygdala can immediately begin to do something about it while at the same time the thalamus is sending that same message to, I believe it's our cerebral cortex to where that our our cortex can actually try and process the information that's happening. And that takes longer. So the reason the thalamus sends it the same message in two different directions is because that half a second longer of processing could be life or death. And so our brain would rather be false alarmed more and end up being wrong than to miss an opportunity to protect us. And then it ended up that it was, that it was right the whole time. So two things are going on. One is an immediate reaction because it's sent to our amygdala and our amygdala automatically begins putting it into motion, whether or not there's actually a stress response or a fear to be considering there, where the other one is actually taking it through a process where our brain is going to consciously think about it, assess whether or not it is a a fear or not, and then... We can calm ourselves down and realize we're safe. Nothing's happening. We're good from there. But what can happen is that based on this happening a number of times, our brains can get stuck in the fear-based response. And a lot of this is around, can happen around anxiety. So having anxiety around health issues or other things in our life, relationship issues, if that fear response has been, has been activated enough in regards to that specific situation or that, that I say specific situation, it's really a general broad sense of the situation. So health issues could be the the situation I'm talking about relationship issues. If our fear and flight response has been activated enough regarding that, then our, it can get stuck to where that is where our brains are going to go. It's true that the neurons that fire together, wire together, and wire together, fire together. So the more often our brain takes that pathway, it's just like the path in the forest. It becomes the path of least resistance. It's the one it most likely wants to take. The more it's taken, then that's the one you're going to want to, want to take the most. And so that happens in our brains with fear-based responses. You may be thinking, okay, thanks for the neuroscience lesson. How does this apply to my fears and anxieties? That is why telling yourself to stop having the anxious thoughts doesn't work because your body, your neurosensory perceptions have in some way perceived there is a threat. That sense of a threat activates things in our brains. We don't control that. So telling yourself to stop having the thoughts and stop thinking them isn't going to fix the thoughts. It's only going to make the thoughts become more reoccurring because you're not dealing with the source of the anxiety. So instead, what we want to do is work on rewiring our brains. One question to ask, one of the first questions I think we should ask when, when we're struggling with fears and fears and anxiety is number one, what is leading to your anxious thoughts? Because what causes you to be an anxious person is going to be different than what causes me to be an anxious person. And the person, any other person is going to have different triggers for them, different situations that lead them to having anxiety and fears. And all of them, while different in what causes them, cause similar reactions in us, although all of them are going to be unique and individual to an extent. So all of that is to say, don't base your situation and experience on what someone else has gone through. Don't base your experience based on what I'm saying right now, because this is my personal experience with what I've gone through, but it's the principles that we're working for. So what I discovered because I wanted to work past this. I didn't want to be an anxious person. I didn't want my anxiety to have so much hold over me. I had to really become mindful of what was causing my anxiety. And what I have found is that it helped me to be able to notice the triggers. So when I would have an anxious an anxiety attack, not necessarily a a panic attack. But I what I've noticed is I will go through periods of my week or periods of my month where I might be more anxious than at other times or different periods of the year. But what I found was there was typically uh, several days of high stress situations before that, that would lead to my anxiety feeling more unmanageable, than other times. And so I realize that when I am not sleeping well, when I have too much going on, and I'm unable to focus on doing things well in my life, when I have too much going on at work, when I feel like there's too many things that are expected of me, that is going to be a breeding ground for my anxiety to go haywire later. So then once I've become overwhelmed and I'm stressed out and all this stuff is happening, that is then when eventually something, my brain will catch on to something. It's typically health related for me, but it'll it'll sense something that's wrong in my body. And then that becomes my focal point. That becomes the only thing I can think of. And it puts me into an anxious state, sometimes for several hours, several days. And at times it could even be several weeks. But I have noticed that this is the pattern that it follows, which has helped me to be able to say, okay, if I know that periods of high stress where I'm not doing things that I know I should do for several days is going to lead me to feel more anxious, then I can start to combat that by making sure that I'm really focusing on taking care of myself, not getting too overwhelmed and all of those things on the front end. So it's helpful but it's also not stopping my anxiety. So this is something that can help minimize it, help mitigate it, but it's not going to cure me. When I do notice that my anxiety spikes or begins to start, the first thing is I never tell myself now, now that I know, I never tell myself to just stop thinking about it because I can't. And that makes me want to think about it even more because then I feel like I that there's even anxiety about having the anxious thought. And not being able to stop thinking about it can cause even more anxiety. So instead, what I like to think of is just letting it sit there. Let it pass through my body, feel all the feelings with it. The more I try and fight it off, the worse it can get. And so I simply allow myself to sit there with it. When I was going through my yoga certification, I remember one of the things that my instructor would mention as we were doing the final pose in Savasana is she would say, anything that's coming to your mind, your to-do list, things you're worried about, frustrations in your life, picture it like a cloud that is just going by. Don't try and push it off. You can't push the cloud off. If a cloud is coming, you can't stop it. You may try, it can't happen. It's there And it needs to continue moving through. It's the same with your anxious thoughts. So allow them to pass by, but don't take them on as part of you. See them as a cloud that are coming by, coming through, and you're simply watching them go. That's the first thing that I do, and I would encourage you to do as well. The second thing is don't Google things. Oh my goodness. So as soon as I start having the anxious thought, I know that I can't stop it. I'm going to let it come by. But in my anxiety, I want answers. I want solutions. I want to know what's going on. And so I have a tendency to want to Google things or call people or address things. Even if it's something that's happening with my friends or a relational issue, then I may have what one of my friends refers to as pain shopping. Yes, pain, P-A-I-N, shopping. And what she means when she says that is it's when we are really wanting answers to something, but we don't... Actually, we're not actually able to get the answers. And so instead, we just fill ourselves and start trying to find all this information, which typically is only going to make us feel worse and not better. So we see this when people have a headache, and then they go to WebMD. And then they, they find out that they're dying of something crazy and a rare disease, right? Because that is what the internet shows us. That is typically what our minds see when we're in that anxious space. And so I have had to learn to not Google. Every time I go to Google and type in my symptoms, it, it never, it has never once made me feel any better. And it has always made me feel worse. But the same, even if I'm worried about some kind of relationship issue or something that's happening there, then it's the same. If, if I am just trying to skirt around the issue and try and find things to make me feel better, I'm typically going to see things from my anxious perspective, misread them, and it's going to end up making my anxiety worse. So there may be things for you like being on social media, going to Google, doing things like that, that you know, tend to make your anxiety and fear worse. So I would encourage you to eliminate those things as much as possible from your life. One thing that I've even found is that even just starting my day with email or Google or Facebook or anything on my phone, honestly, it leads me to start feeling more anxious already first thing in the morning. And I've realized that's not something I want. So it's not something I'm going to do. The third thing I would encourage you to do is remember that your thoughts are not facts, even though you have convinced yourself that they are. They are only thoughts. And they are thoughts that are based on a lot of times misinterpreted information, or information that you are seeing from a misinterpreted point of view. So if there's something going on in my body that I'm noticing through my fear, I'm going to only see it through the worst possible case scenario. Whereas For someone else who's not anxious about it, they would be able to see that and see it totally differently. If it's your relationship, it's the same thing because you are in it. You're going to see things that you will swear up and down are gospel truth. He just said this to me. It means that he feels that way. And now what do I do? And you're scared and you're anxious and you don't know what to do about it. And so it makes things worse because you have believed that your thoughts are facts Remember that your thoughts are not facts, even though it can feel that way. I had to remind myself of this a couple of days ago when my husband and I had gotten into a disagreement the night before. And the next morning when I was in the kitchen, I was making coffee and he was coming out of the kitchen and going towards the kid's bedroom I was I had my phone in my hand. I was listening, I think listening probably to a podcast or something on it. But when I saw him go through, I said, Oh, hey, good morning. How are you? And he just kept walking. And I didn't say anything. I didn't know if he was mad because because the reason I didn't say anything was because I thought he is still mad about last night. And he isn't going to talk to me today. And I bet he's pissed. And I bet we're going to get another fight. And so all of these things in my mind, because of that one scenario, that's how I interpreted it. And it felt like fact to me. I could have, I would have bet money that he was pissed. And that's exactly what was going to happen, that we were going to end up in a fight. And he was still mad about the night before. In reality, he didn't hear me. And in fact, he heard that I was talking, but he saw that I had my phone in my hand and he thought that I was on my phone. He was just leisurely walking to the hallway across from the bedroom through the kitchen. And I had made it out to where we were having this huge fight and I didn't know what I was going to do. And I was anxious about it because I believed that my thoughts were facts. My thoughts were not facts. They were not facts. They were simply thoughts. The fourth thing that I have here for you is instead of focusing on the thoughts, intentionally do something to start taking control of your thoughts. Now that does not mean to tell yourself to stop thinking about it. We've already talked about how that doesn't work. But instead it means instead of sitting there and worrying and going through that cycle that we can get stuck in when we're anxious and we have fear, do something to change the cycle. So allow the anxiety to be there but begin to do something different. Because what we have to learn to do is rewire the firing of how our neurons synapse together, how the synapses in our brain actually fire together. And so in order to do that, we have to start taking different paths. So one of the things that I do when I start struggling with anxiety, and I'm trying to rewire the path that my brain is taking, I actually have a list, I actually have a bunch of different things that I have as tools available to me. So it's not that I do this thing every single time. It's that depending on how I'm feeling, and depending on what's going on, I have an arsenal of tools that I can go to and pull the one that I believe is best for me at that moment. So some of them for me are that I journal, I love being able to actually put all my thoughts down and that can be very helpful for me because once I'm able to put my my emotions and fears and anxieties into words, it helps me to process it and it can help me get back to understanding it from a more logical point of view. Another thing that I have in my toolkit is going for a walk. So either going for a walk silently or going for a walk and have something else to listen to have something else to help get my mind off of ruminating on the things I don't want it to ruminate about. So that may be music, that may be a podcast, it may be an audiobook, but I typically have some different things that I'm either currently listening to that could be options, or if I really just want to be silent and use that time to pray or to just be mindful about my walk, then I'll do that. But just try and do a little things to change the pattern. Just try and begin to change parts of your behavior. So you're not laying on the floor in fetal position, crying about your anxiety. I have been there because it felt so real to me because my thoughts in my mind felt so real and so true that what I was scared of and what I was anxious about, it felt like it was happening in that moment, even though in reality, it hadn't at all, but it felt debilitating. It can feel very debilitating. So instead of being on that floor in fetal position, like I have been in the past, do something to get up, call a friend, call someone who's going to help speak truth and life into you, who's going to help you see things in a more positive light, do something to break the cycle. The other thing that I encourage you to do is limit doing things that are going to increase your anxiety anyway. So too little sleep can make you more anxious, too much caffeine or too much coffee, or even just coffee or caffeine in general. I love my morning coffee. I know it's going to make me anxious because it just does. It increases cortisol. It has those that effect of making me jittery anyway. Anyway too much stress in your life can do this as well, as well as having a poor diet, all of those things can increase your anxiety anyway. So try and limit those things and instead do things that will decrease anxiety, getting enough sleep, finding time to meditate for 10, 15 minutes a day meditation, you can listen to a past episode that I've done on it about mindfulness and meditation, I highly recommend that you take that practice into your life. Make sure you're eating well. Make sure that you are taking time to have quiet time in your life or there's not a bunch of noise. Disconnect from your phone. All of those things can help anxiety. And then my final tip is for intense anxiety that is chronic, that you do look into seeing a healthcare professional. One of the best forms of therapy that I have found for that is called EMDR. And it is all about going back into points in our past, finding the things that have those beliefs that have kind of led to that state of anxiety and chronic stress that you may be in right now. And it goes, it helps to go back to the source of where that first came from, where, as I said before, kind of how that amygdala started firing at the wrong moments, and helps to rewire the way your brain is stuck on that thought so that it can break free from it and really start moving forward. You would have to find someone who is specialized in EMDR. It is a special type of therapy. I recommend finding a therapist who is trained in cognitive behavioral therapy, as well as EMDR. And that is something that I have been working on, something that has been helpful for me, and gives you those tools that you have available in your tool belt, and in your toolkit to help you work through times of fear and anxiety. The last thing beyond that, that I would encourage you with is that you may need to find someone. So the final thing that this that Emily asked in this question was, I feel like my husband may not be the best person to talk to about my fears. I have shared before that my husband is great at comforting me when I'm sad. He is terrible at comforting me when I am anxious. And we have had to work through this. And so I've had to actually guide him on when I'm in this state, please just do this for me. And it's best to approach your spouse with that or your significant other, whoever you're wanting to work with you on this when you're not in the state of anxiety, because it's there's too much emotion, at least for me, there's too much emotion going on at that time. So instead, find a time when things are more calm, when you're feeling good, and really think about what is it that you need from that person, when you are anxious, and let them know what that is. So for my husband, I have told him, I don't need you to, well, actually, here's what I've told him. I've said, all I need you to tell me is that everything's going to be okay. And my husband is a very calculator, personality, logic, rules, he loves being right, all of those things. And so in the past, he would, he would hesitate to tell me everything was going to be okay, because he would see it from that very literal sense of, Well, I don't know that everything is going to be okay at every single moment and the next every day. I I can't promise you that. And I said, Rob, I love you. I understand. But I really just need in that moment for you to tell me that no matter what, everything's going to be okay. So I've had to guide him on how to do that. But there are other people who can comfort me better than Rob can when I'm anxious. And that doesn't mean anything negative about my husband. There are amazing strong points that my husband has in my relationship with him in ways that we help each other. But just like I'm not the best person to do certain things that he may need for him, there are other people who may be able to solve me a little better than he can when I am anxious. And that doesn't mean that he's bad or wrong or that our relationship is broken. That's normal. There's going to be people, people in your life who are going to help you more in certain areas than in other areas, and every person can be different. And so I mentioned this before, my dad is extremely helpful in calming me down when I am anxious, extremely, like he's the best one. And so he is that person that I have that I go to most of the time when I'm anxious, because he knows how to calm me down. And then in the meantime, I'm teaching Rob how to do some of those things and sharing that with him. But I realize he's not going to be my dad. Right? Just like my dad is not going to be like Rob when I need when I'm sad, and I just want to be held and comforted. And and I just want to cry on my husband's shoulder. So you may have different people in your life that you need to go to for that. And I would encourage you to find at least one person who you feel like you can go to when you're anxious, who's not going to make your anxiety worse, but is going to help you to calm down so that you can start seeing things a little bit clearer. I hope that this has been helpful anxiety is something that I even talk about in the your best self course that I have. There's one of the weeks when we talk about intellectual attraction, I also talk about what it looks like to control your thoughts and control your mind. And anxiety is something we touch on there. And I give a lot of research based things that you can begin doing. So if you are ready to start working on yourself and becoming the best that you can be, then and you want to devote 30 days to it, then I highly encourage you to go and join the Your Best Self course. And I believe you will come out of it on the other side a better person than you were when you started. Friends, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Remember to go and subscribe to this podcast and leave an honest review. I love to hear from you guys. So be sure to go and do that. And it will also help more people find the podcast as well.